Eve. Hi, welcome to Demi Goddess, a podcast hosted by me, Demi Burnett. You probably know me from my time on The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, or you happened to stumble across my Instagram, doom scrolling one day on your couch, and you decided to stick around. Thank you for that. Please stay. I'm autistic and sober, and boy, do I have opinions on just about everything. On Demi Goddess, I break down stereotypes and give you my unfiltered hot takes on everything, whether it's celebrity drama, dating bullshit, or whatever is currently petting my peeves. And there's a lot of things. Please stop. Plus, I chat with some amazing guests. Today, I'm talking to author, TikToker, and star of a brand new web series, Rabbit, Kyle Prue. Kyle is a man after my own heart because he says it like it is, and he is unafraid of pissing off some of the men in the process. Demi Goddess is available on all podcast platforms, or you can watch this full episode on our Eve YouTube channel. You really want to watch it on YouTube because I look so amazing today. You have to look at my outfit. So rate, review, and subscribe. Okay, so it is time for the show. I'm here today with my producer, Clementine. Hi. Buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride. Hey. How's it going? Good, Demi. Shut your pie hole. <laughs> how dare you say that to my son? Um, How are you, Clementine? I'm good. I've had a pretty lovely weekend and a pretty good week, but, you know, I'm curious. What's grinding Demi's gears today? Wow. What's I thought you'd never ask. heading your peeves? People don't ask me enough. Currently... I am on a thing about the hashtag boy moms. And I know that seems like, Demi, why are you even worried about boy moms? You're not mom. You're not a mom, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not even in that But you have friends who are moms. Exactly. Uh, One of my closest friends and my assistant, she's pretty much my mother now. Mm -hmm. Like, she just takes care of me. I feared you. Um, We love you, Lindsay. So much. Love you so much. She's changed my life, saved my life. Yeah, Lindsay has an adorable toddler daughter, right? Yeah, she's like one or something yeah. like that. She's adorable. She has a daughter. And she struggles with other moms and like making friends because there's a there's this whole th- like there's this whole epidemic of hashtag boy moms. I feel like what you're talking about, I've seen it on like TikTok, where these moms are like, I'm a boy mom, hashtag boy mom, like blah, blah, blah. like what does it mean? Okay, so the boy mom thing is basically these women, they're so proud of raising a son that they dismiss the experience of being a mother to women that don't have sons. So they tell Lindsay, Mm -hmm. oh, you don't get it. You're not a boy mom. You have a girl. Girls are just so much different. What wouldn't she get? The thing is, is they make it sound like being a boy mom is better because Mm. it is different. Being Being a mother of a boy versus being a mother of a daughter, it's different, but it's equal. Yeah. And it's not better than, neither is better than. And that's the problem is they're shaming women who aren't boy moms. Mm. Oh, you wouldn't get it? Like, the problems of parenting, I I think uh, the struggles are just like, you know, the experience of parenting is not dependent on gender. It feels like it all ties in with the patriarchy. Exactly. So really... What I this is my theory. The husband of the hashtag boy mom does not meet the emotional needs of the hashtag boy mom. Okay. So she is lacking the love from her husband that she needs. She invests all of this love into her son, into making her son into the man that she wishes her husband would be for her. Got it. 
She enables the son by providing for him, doing everything for him so much so that the son expects it once he goes out into the real world. It's almost like they teach their sons how to weaponize incompetence. According to the internet, weaponized incompetence refers to a continual behavior that is typically intentional rather than a few occurrences where someone is unhelpful. So this could refer to, for example, in households or in marriages where the wife does all the cleaning and the husband is perfectly capable of pitching in, but he says, oh, I don't know how to wash the dishes or I don't know how to load the dishwasher. And it's like they know how to do it. They've seen their wife load the dishwasher X amount of times. They know how to do it but they're pretending that they don't know how to do it so that they don't have to do it. And I feel like the hashtag boy moms by like you're saying, like wanting, wanting to um, fill the void of the lack of affection they're getting from their husbands with the affection they can get from their male child and raising him into the ideal partner that they wish they had. They're kind of like, it's just kind of like a smothering, which teaches the, doesn't really teach the man how to fend for himself at any point or how to, that is exactly Load what dishwashers. The, that's exactly what the fuck I'm saying. Exactly to the T, you ordered it perfectly. I don't want any listeners to think that we're saying it's the mom's fault because it's in a way, it's really the dad's fault of being distant. You know what I mean? It absolutely and so, is and so not the mom's and fault. And so it's like dads. a generational Because also if you think about the father, the father was taught that by his father and it probably like um emotionally abused by his father. It's all trauma. It's trauma cycles, deep rooted. Um I think that what we can say is like self-reflect and break the cycle. Okay, that's enough pie for one day. All right. Hi, it's totally Kyle. It's it's totally Kyle. Do people ever do that? Constantly. Oh my god, I'm sorry. It's annoying. It's it's. I would say it's maybe it's been a tough couple of years to be a Kyle, um, just because the meme value of the name has skyrocketed. Um, it's not as bad as being a Karen or or a Chad, though. I think those people are 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 really going through it currently. <laughs> you know, it's really unfortunate for them. Um, Every time I meet a person named Karen, I honestly, I kind of judge them. Yeah. And it's not their fault. They're, they they could be totally not Karen-like. And you can tell that they don't even want to admit their name is Karen. Right. You're like, you're like, uh, and what's your name? And they're like, <sighs> it's Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, like the thing. They're like, yes, like the thing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's just awful. The the minute I saw the first like Kyle meme, like someone sent it to me, they were like, what, what dudes named Kyle eat for breakfast? And it was like monster energy flavored, like ham or something. And I was like, <laughs> it's, it's never going to go away. It's I, I could sense it was going to blow up. Um, that's so funny. But Kyle, I feel like is kind of like Kyle was a cool name always like, I, the monster thing, like, I, I get that reference. I feel like people named Kyle Monster Energy Drink Flavored Ham. That's hilarious. <laughs> but um, it was always, they were always cool. Kyle to me feels like the name of, like, either, like, a, a, a dude who owns a skateboard. Yes. Or, like, an H&R Block accountant and, like, nobody in between. <laughs> so, Kyle, I like your name. And... I have just met you the last like five minutes and you're hilarious. Wow. You're too kind. You're far I, too I kind. I mean, really, you're funny. Um, so Kyle, I found you on TikTok, but tell me a little bit about you. 
you know, don't bore anybody, but right, just right. give us a little bit of a spiel. Ooh, where to even start? Where to even start? I guess I'll, I guess I'll start with TikTok. That's where most people uh, know me from. Yeah, I love your TikTok where you said um, <laughs> how to piss off men. Um, and you said, tell them that they're like the male Amy Schumer. Like, yeah, I don't even know why it's so funny, but it that is. one inspires a certain level of vitriol that that one is, is, is a little bit of like a weapon of mass destruction socially. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I got on TikTok as a joke as like everybody who is a TikToker gets on TikTok as a joke. And then all of a sudden a video performs and then they're like, oh, I, I, I need it. <laughs> uh, I can't live without it. Uh, yeah, just just uh, making jokes on TikTok. I, I eventually started doing like series after series, and then and then eventually stumbled upon how to piss off men, which which blew the whole thing up, maybe more than than I ever expected or maybe even intended. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I originally sort of entered the professional workspace uh, as as an author. I was like a kid author when I was when I was sixteen. Or I wrote a book when I was sixteen. It, it came out when I was seventeen. I would definitely consider that a kid. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, anything under 18, I'm like, I was a child. I still call myself a kid, and people are like, oh, no, but you're you're not. So, a book whenever you were 16, though, how did you do that? Like, what do you mean? So, my... Uh, my who gave you the instruction manual on how to how to write a book and how to get it like published and shit? There is not one. Uh, what had happened was my it was the summer after my sophomore year, and my parents came to my siblings and I, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do something fun this summer." And I was like, "Awesome! I love fun!" And they were like, <laughs> "We're taking away uh, the uh, the internet," and I was like. <laughs> fun and they were like yeah no we're like we're taking away the televisions and we're taking away your cell phones and we're gonna call it like summer unplugged like they had branded summer it. unplugged they branded it. it's like the acoustic version of a summer and um i'm not a big oh my God, we talked about this like before I, i'm not a big outside guy <laughs> um so i was like god what am i gonna do the whole summer so i kind of just like as a little like pet project wrote this book then when i got into like my junior year of high school i was like getting like a B minus in English. And I was worried that it would become a C and then uh, the, my, my life would be ruined. And so I submitted the book to try and get extra credit. And my English teacher um, like liked it, edited it for me. And I uh, ended up at something called the New York Writers Pitch Conference and like pitched it to a bunch of publishers. And then, and then all of a sudden it was published and I was, and I was touring around and trying to get kids to read it. <laughs> That's so cool because being in high school during that, like that's such a cool experience. It was so weird because I... It was kind of an accident. Maybe. Yeah, it was It was an accident, but I would go to other schools and speak to other high schoolers. So they'd be like, do you have any advice for these high schoolers? And I'd be like, I'm a high schooler. I don't know. What was the book about? So uh, the it's... it's I've, so I have three books out now um, and they're all in the same series. Um, and it's a young adult fantasy novel. Love and it, fantasy, it's, yes. It's about a family feud. Uh, not the game show, but like the, the Romeo and Juliet kind. And each family passes down like a different superpower. So it's like these three superhuman families who are like going head to head. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote all three books. Um, I love the concept. And I'm being so serious because I'm a, I love fantasy books. I wrote like a very, very short book like that in like fifth grade mm -hmm. of fantasy books. So that is so up my alley. If, if someone had taken away all your technology, maybe you would have turned it into a, you know, <laughs> a career. Maybe I would be an author mm -hmm. like you. Damn it.
Summer Unplugged. Summer Unplugged. I, I recommend to don't do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If someone asked me to Summer Unplugged now, I think I would probably lose my mind. If someone asked me to Summer Unplugged, I'd call CPS. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, see, I tried, but I didn't have a phone. Oh. So. I've had actually many Summer Unplugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember getting many Summer Unplugs. Yeah. And, uh, I don't like going outside either. I don't like... Like you said, you don't have agoraphobia. Um, that's a big thing that I don't like when people, I don't think I have agoraphobia either. I can go outside. I just don't really want to at all. I don't want to go places I um, because I get anxiety. I feel similarly. Um, people will oftentimes like comment on my TikTok and, and, and they're like, he never leaves his house. <laughs> and I'm like, I do. Not a lot, <laughs> but I do sometimes. Why, why do I need to? It's like, why, why does society put that pressure on us? It's, it's interesting because I think like as the, like the more interconnected the world gets, the easier it is to get everything that you possibly need in your house. Wow. Yeah. Like the pandemic made uh, kind of some dreams come true for me in the sense of yeah. everything accessible at home. It turned a lot of extroverts into introverts, uh, m myself included. You know, I think... Um, I was a big like going out person before the pandemic. And then after the, now I am not. Do you think that uh, during the pandemic and stuff, you spent a lot of time self-reflecting? Like, I feel like a lot of people, what they need is they need to spend time, more time at home. Yeah. So they can self-reflect and just, I don't know. I, I feel like the, shit. the first couple weeks of the pandemic were the most like, psychologically complicated time that I have like ever like witnessed not even like in myself but in like I think like everybody mm -hmm. um, everybody freaked yeah yeah and it was also like it was the only time where like everybody in the world has been freaked out about the same thing at the same time like that to me was really crazy um but yeah I was just like I was just like in a house in Michigan just like chilling for two months Michigan yeah that's where my parents are from okay yeah um Oh, where do you live now? Here. When did you move here? Uh, a year ago. Why? Uh, for, uh, for acting. How did you move from Michigan to Los Angeles? Well, so to Hollywood, baby. To Dreams Hollywood. came true. Hey, happened for me too. I'm from a small town and I would have never imagined living in LA. Wh where are you from? A little, a little tiny town called Red Oak in Texas. It's south of Dallas. I had never been to LA. I'd never been out of the country. I... I'd been all over the States and stuff, but it's, this was like unheard of, like living in LA unheard of. Like I saw the Hollywood sign for the first time on the bachelor and I screamed uh, at the top of my lungs and like almost cried. You were I, like, that's going to be me. It was just that I had manifested this so much that it was, I couldn't believe it was in front of me. I had told everyone I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on TV. I promise you. Like I'm going to live in LA one day. And everyone was like, yeah, fucking right. Get a job. And I was like, I just, I know that's going to happen, guys. It's not, it's not a big deal. Well, it's, it's happening to somebody, you know, like people are always like, no, that, that'll never happen. It's like, well, no. It's, the reason that I knew that it would happen and I couldn't explain it to people was I was like, um, at the time I was in college and people in college had already started approaching me and saying, hey, are you Demi Not Lovato from Instagram? So I had gotten used. I was like, oh, people are recognizing me. I think that I could do something with that. Totally. And so then I just would, I was like, guys, I'm going to be on TV. No big deal. Like, just trust me one day. And so then whenever I was in LA, I was like, 
holy shit, I don't know. I did it. And now you're, you're quite literally on a TV. <laughs> so are you. And look at you. That's the other thing. So tell me how you did this for yourself. Well, so uh, when, 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 uh, when quarantine was starting, like when all the, the, the COVID stuff was slowly becoming a thing. And you were in Michigan. Yeah, I, I was a senior in college and we were moving into pre-production for a play that I had written that we were going to do in New wow, York. Wow, you wrote a play. Yeah. You were going to do it in New York. Yeah. We hit the first quarantine, which was supposed to be like, remember when everyone was like two weeks, two weeks and we're out of this. <laughs> we're good to go. So, so they I were, was so drunk. I have no idea. Yeah, that's, I don't I, remember what anyone was saying. Me as well. Yeah. I, they were like, okay, like two weeks, we were all like watching Tiger King. It, it seemed very, very oh, yeah. chill. Um, and then, uh, the producer was like, listen, we're going up in August. It'll be fine. Like this, this is going to blow over in a second. And then I, I called him in July and he was like, Hey, listen, theater's dead. You should find something else. Theater's dead. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Good, good, good. Very cool. But that's cool. like so sad because you were, uh, that was like a really cool opportunity that you were doing. And then, oh my God, it's, it died. It, it's interesting. There's, there's so many people who I know who were like f fulfilling their dreams the second COVID hit. Um, <laughs> like I, I got a podcast, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Not this one. A different one. I was so excited for that. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, well, this is not exactly how I thought this was going to be going. Yeah, yeah. You were in a even worse boat. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Well, it, 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 it worked out because at the time I was a, uh, a script editor on a, on, on a uh, horror movie. And they they were planning to film it in Florida, and they had asked me to be in it, and I had said no because we were gonna, um, you know, do this play. And so I ended up calling the director, and I was like, "Hey, man, uh, y'all still making that movie?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "How? Like it's 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 like COVID?" And he's like, "We're doing it in Florida." And like they they don't they don't give a fuck. We're raw dogging it. In Florida. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this is what he said. And essentially, and they were like, "Listen, it's it's in like six months. You know, things will be like a little bit calmed down. Do you want to come and be in it?" And I was like, ah. "Do you want to know what's wild? Oh my god, I was filming in Florida too. I was raw dogging it. Wait, what were you filming? WWE. You were you were in WWE. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a wrestler. I was like a. They had me as like a catalyst to for a fight between two guys. That is one was giving me roses, the other one was giving me turkey legs. It was hilarious, but it was in Florida and it was during the pandemic. That is the most wooing a woman with a turkey leg is is like it's it's the Florida move, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I liked the turkey leg. Uh, I thought it was funny, but then like I don't like uh, soiling my hands. So like right. I, I kept having. I was like, guys, I, I can't keep on like redoing this take after take with the turkey leg all over my hands. He, you should have like put it on like a big like spear or something. Wow, that would have been cool. Yeah, although maybe not best not to have sharp objects in the WWE <laughs> ring. <laughs> Yeah, and especially me. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm true. Such a, I'm such a I'm like not aware. I'd be like, how what? Stab <laughs> someone. Impale the, the audience would be like, yeah. <laughs> Thinking, yeah, it's a thing. Like, do you see my finger right now? Oh my gosh. So imagine this, carrot slicer. Yep. Carrot, 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 human flesh. Yeah, wow. Was the, were the carrots okay? Uh, yeah, I gave them to my dogs. Oh. They were for him. But uh, my finger, I think I need stitches. I've kept it in the same place for three days now. I just keep changing the Band-Aid. But if I take it off, 
and I hit something, it starts bleeding again. I the first thing I did when I moved to LA was was cut my thumb open, and um, it was also during the pandemic, and it was back when like things were like pretty intense in LA, and um, I did not want to go to the hospital, so I just like let it ride for like a week and um yeah it turned out okay i i I called my friend who was an emt and she was like you will have a scar and i was like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) i'm totally fine with that i've always wanted one but yeah i think you'll live cool uh that actually weirdly comforts me you're on top of it i started to google how to give yourself stitches and i said i better stop (laughs) (laughs) that's a slippery slope exactly what i thought there are some things in this life that you don't want to diy and i think that would be maybe number one um okay so how the man making so so yes raw dog in florida so so we, we we made a horror movie in florida and and from there i got a job uh teaching stunt people how to fight with swords um, oh, because wow. part of the, uh, the Michigan acting education was, uh, was sword fighting. And, um, <laughs> I got, I got representation in Los Angeles and they were like, Hey, move on out here. And so I did. And now here I am. Wait, and- so what? Are you still teaching sword fighting or what is I it? don't, I don't really do it anymore, but, Can uh, you please show me. I have a sword here. What do you mean? You have a sword here? At my house. Oh, yes. I mean, sword sword fighting is like a, a teachable, learnable art form. Oh, my God. An art form. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love nothing more. It, it's I, I love the idea of like people being like, uh, like, what, what's what's Demi been up to recently? It's like, oh, she has a podcast. Uh, she's she's studying the blade. She's uh, studying <laughs> the blade. You know, though, um, my family, they would not be remotely shocked. You know, they would be like. Of course she is. Of course she's studying the, <laughs> what did you say? Studying the blade. Studying the blade, of course. Uh, my dad, I have a sword because my dad, he's um, he has a bunch of <laughs> knives and stuff. And I wanted like one of his pocket knives just in case for handy reasons and, and for protection. And he was like, I'll do you one better. Well, no, I mean, basically he did. But I said, I was looking through the knives and I saw the sword and I said, hey, pops. Could I maybe have that sword because it has like a sheath with it and I could look like a little Arya Stark running around here and it would be amazing and so cool. And he said, it's yours. And so, yeah, I have my little Arya Stark sword, my little needle. Oh, wow. Do you want to hear a fun fact? Latin for uh, sheath is vagina. So that's why it's called the vagina because it's the sheath for the man's sword. So patriarchy man going back thousands of years. You're welcome. Wow. Wow. And now we know. To hold the penis, the sword's the penis. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that checks out. Like, I feel like the idea of like, I, like medieval men, like making swords and being like, you know what this is kind of like? Our dicks. <laughs> it's kind of like our dicks. can't believe you have so many interesting things about you. I am a, uh, I have a lot of, I think, creative ADD. Uh, I, I, I get very bored without a project. Um, yeah, but I feel like your projects are so, uh, 
particularly yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, uh, like you know, they're like, oh, I, I like cooking. And I'm like, well, they, they could be like, yeah, I wrote a book about like my autobiography or about like, you know, relationships. Well, you're like, I, I wrote a book about superhero families going up against each other. Like, that's what true. the fuck? Yeah. Which always, awesome. Which always, I think like growing up like a very like weird dude. Like, like I think like. Me too. It's okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> so strange. I was the Neopets girl. I... Love Neopets. I, I, the other one that I went crazy for was I, I was a Webkins kid. I was a Webkins kid too. Oh my God. I remember this kid named Brant. Brant. He gave me a Webkins for Valentine's Day because he knew I liked Webkins. That's, that's a keeper. Maybe not. <laughs> I, it was in seventh grade. I was really shy. And I, I was see. like, I didn't say a word about it. I didn't say anything at all. You were like, oh. I, I was just like, probably excited to go fucking log on to my webkins yeah. whenever I got home and put in my new German Shepherd he just gave me. Yeah, I, I had a bunch of them. And then when I was in seventh grade, I had kids come over f- to help me with like a school project we were all working on. And they saw all my all my webkins. And then they started calling me the zookeeper at school. <laughs> And so I got so embarrassed that I donated them to a church. <laughs> that's my. That's actually a really funny roast. Yeah, it was. It's pretty brutal. I I remember like that's sort of my superhero, my super villain origin story is is that I gave away my webkins out of shame. The trauma. Yeah, it's brutal. Dude, it's like honestly though, peer pressure will do that. Okay, so. What made you get on TikTok and start talking shit about men? Um, I mean, I love it and fully support it. It it happened very organically. Um, It was, I was at a party with uh, uh, my my roommate, um, Max, and, and we were, Oh, Max. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Max. Uh, we, and we were, uh, we were just sort of hanging out and we were like talking to like a few different, like, I feel like the big like thing, if you go to a party in LA is you're meeting like 15 dudes who are like. Sure, this this thing I'm working on, like you guys are you guys are gonna go crazy for this, and then then they just like talk for like thirty minutes about their the screenplay or you know whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, interesting. Maybe I'm going to the wrong parties. No, uh, I don't go to any parties, and uh, if I do go to parties, if anyone tries to talk to me, I do not respond. <laughs> you, mace. No, um, I just I I can't. I I got to keep moving. Yeah, I feel you. Um, but so. We were talking earlier that day about how it's funny that how cartoons, when they sleep, they go like, and I was like, and so we were talking to this dude and I was like, hey, I don't know if like, uh, I don't know if you resonate with this at all, but you kind of strike me as the kind of dude who like when he sleeps, he goes like, and I just like witnessed the moment of like unmitigated rage in his eyes. And we, I was like, what is this? Like, what is, it was like a phenomenon. What is this? Because yeah. it is a thing. Yeah, I was, I, but I was like, I, I felt- It's a separate fucking thing. I felt like, it felt like, like the way he looked at me as if like this had been a thing that had been following him for years or that like he did do that and I had been the first one to ever pick up on it. And he was like, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? And I was like, nothing, dude. And so I went home and I made this video and I was like, if you ever want to piss, piss off a man, tell him that he seems like when he sleeps, he goes, you know, me, 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 me. And it got like 2 million views and someone was like, can I have some more of these? Ah. And I was like, oh yeah. So I like wrote up like a list of like seven and I did seven and it was like the best performing video I had ever done. And I was like, oh wow. Like there's definitely like a cultural like fascination surrounding this. And, and it's always something that I've been, you know, f- you know, culturally fascinated in. You've recognized it before. Like this, like, right. This like 
I I don't know, um, Clementine, like, what would you call it? Because I never know what to call this man thing, this, like, ego, this uh, pride thing. But, like, that's irrational and, and very aggressive, and, like, he, he described it. According to psychologist Jay Carter on uh, Oprah.com. Hell yeah. It's called the glass ego. The glass the ego. Glass it's so ego. fragile. It's, like, made of glass, and anything, including me, 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 can make it shatter. It's, oh, oh my gosh. It's it's interesting too because I think like it, a lot of people have like recently this is like a recent like criticism that I think like people have been like men have have been you know lobbying against me sort of is that they they call me like a white knight uh which is sort of like I think them sort of like implying that by like making this series that I'm like I feel like I'm like saving like women or something or that it's like because that is gaslighting. Yeah, what I mean, wh- they're gaslighting you. And what what I've like tried to make very clear, like recently, is like this series is so much more about my relationship with men than it is with my about my relationship with women. Literally, you, it's about wow. I'm glad you said like that's a great way to say that. Yeah, and 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 you know, I think um, you know, I. I, especially like as a young and like never fit in with men um, and uh, never really had like male friends unless, really? you know, they were, you know, like similarly like strange kids. What's uh, your rela- Can I ask you what your relationship with your father is like? My, my dad is, is great. Um, I, I, I think like as, as untoxic as, as a man can be is, is how my dad is, which is crazy because I think because of that, I expected all men to be like that in a certain way. And I, and I just sort of like had a general frustration with the kind of people who I was coming into contact with all the time. The thing that I'm getting at is for me, I find that at the end of the day, that glass ego, like that ego is there more often than it's not. And a lot of people hide it and they act like it's not there, but really uh, it's the core problem in a lot of relationships and also like uh, in society. Like the really interesting thing, like, because like via this series, I've, I've been sort of pushed into the center of the conversation often. mm -hmm. And um, what's what, what I've, what I've really sort of like intuited about anger is and and uh, I, I had a professor who talked about this, which was which I always found really interesting. But anger is a secondary emotion; it's never the first thing. Hurt it, first. It's always hurt, insecurity, insecurity fear, fear. Um, fear of rejection, huge for men. Yeah, and and so like one of the things that I, I I made very clear to do because this was what I think like maybe separates this because I don't want to feel like I'm just like endlessly bullying people. That's but, exactly how I feel too. Yeah, I so what I I never wanted to body shame people or like, you know, go after like people specifically. A lot of people have like tried to I think like rip off the series and have like that like there's other dudes who are like here's how to upset men and then they'll like do a video and they'll be like tell him he's bald and he's unlovable. And I'm like Oh, uh, you, you maybe don't do it so directly because you know yeah, some men like, kill people. That's actually <laughs> what'd you say? I said some men kill people. Uh, uh, so like, yeah, exactly. And also, like, I, there's men are really, really insecure about losing their hair. That's like not nice at all to point that out. That's really that's being just as bad as them. And so yeah. what I found actually far more successful was you would attack structures that they had sort of like tied their masculinity to. Hold on, let me write that down. 
Um, so, so for instance, like, uh, one of the big ones, the, like the big joke I had that like immediately kind of like blew up was, uh, I said, when a guy talks about crypto, be like, oh, so it's like Cole's cash. <laughs> and it'll make him angry. And the reason it'll make him angry is because he has tied some sort of element of his masculinity to uh, crypto, to, to his finances, to, to whatever, whatever. And comparing it to Cole's cash, a, a, an infinitely more usable uh, item, uh, is uh, it, it will inherently upset him. Um, and so I've, <laughs> I've always found more success attacking the structures. And, and I think it's actually like more of a like, I don't want to say, say like public good in the sense where like if you are getting angry because a structure that you have like tied your masculinity to is being attacked, then I think it gives you a place to start. If the shoe fits. Yeah. That's kind of you're not attacking it anyone specifically basically you're saying if the shoe fits maybe you can self-reflect yeah totally um and there there have been moments in the in the thing where i've been like i i've i've used ones that people have said to me and have like hurt my feelings you know i'm not immune to it let's hear uh, one mine was uh uh someone said uh do you think you could be a goose in a fight and i was what does like what that mean <gasps> the goose. Wait, let's think about it. Goose are, they're aggressive in fighting. Yeah, well, apparently geese My brother are got chased by a goose whenever he was a kid. He <laughs> started crying, mommy, mommy. So that would really work on him. I, I, I No, and actually he was very sensitive about it for a while. But the reason that the story was so funny to me, not it was not the geese chasing him. That was scary. It was the fact that the miniature poodle just bucked the fuck up and went after those geese with no no fear. Hell yeah. Scylla said, row, row, row. And Scylla was tiny. And I just remember being like, Damn, Scylla is a badass. Scylla was like, time to earn my rent. <laughs> yeah, that she proved her worth that day, as you were. Uh, so yeah, I was. I, um, she was like, uh, do, do you think you could beat a goose in a fight? And I was like, yeah, I think I could beat a goose in a fight. You know, like, and she was like, it's a goose though. I was like, yeah, but, but I mean, a goose weighs like what, like twenty pounds? I'm like a hundred. I could beat a goose. She was like. I don't know. It's a goose. And I couldn't tell why, but this was like the first moment I was like, I could beat a goose I in a fight. I just realized you were saying beat a goose. What did you think I was saying? Be. Be a goose. And <laughs> become. It, she it was makes like, sense though too. Be the goose. Be like, the goose. She, like, she was like, I don't think that you could turn into a goose if you wanted to. And I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? A very strong element of my masculinity is my ability to shapeshift into a, go a goose. <laughs> you know those books, Anamorphosis? Anamorphs. Oh, is that what they were? Anamorphs? Anamorphs. God, they were incredible covers. Yeah, nobody read it as Ever. far as I know. Just had to look at the covers. I, I, I did read some. I remember looking at like recently like the plot of those books online and apparently it gets crazy. <laughs> I read some of them. Um, so... Uh, she questioned your ability to beat the goose. Mm -hmm, to, 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 and, and you said you think you could beat the goose. Yeah. On a on a certain level, like I had to step back and be like, why does this matter to me? Because I I I rarely encounter any geese. <laughs> um, it's it's not a thing that will affect my life, but I, I it was important to me to be thought of as as a person who could beat a goose in a fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I realized that that was some sort of weird, you know, like uh weird thing that I had tied my conception of myself to um, is, is goose fighting. Um, so you saw your <laughs> ego in that. Yeah, totally. And, um, but then, you know, like stepping back, I was like, there's no, uh, there's no societally good reason for me to at any point to like be like, uh, 
like physically violent at all, you know, like even with geese. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, I am so shocked by you. I'm having a hard time, Clementine, because (laughs) I, I truly, I have not seen in a man like a, a, an ability to like, not only like see the ego, but also know that that's like not a good thing and be like, I like that. You know, I see that me wanting to beat this goose is ridiculous. Why do I feel that way? Recognizing it's your ego and being like, that's ridiculous. I I can let that go. That I cannot see men overcome their ego. It's something that I have to like, I feel like scream about and like they still never will. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think on a big level, it's, it's fear. Yeah. Um, I've told men before, like, if you can drop your ego, it'll be the most amazing thing you've ever done for yourself and the people around you, but like for yourself so much, because I've had an ego, like I grew up with men. I, I was taught to have an ego and, uh, I still struggle with it to this day, but like whenever I drop it and I give myself that freedom, it's like a way better quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I do feel bad for, for a lot of the people who are, I think, you know, the, the, the glass ego people, cause it's a tough way to live. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of like brittleness and, and bitterness to it. Um, yeah. And I wish they would know, like, um, we would forgive them, you know? Totally. Totally. I think, um, it's interesting. I'm the, the, the success of that series in general makes me think that, um, we're a little bit more interested in the conversation than I think we used to be. Um, people are oftentimes, I mean, like some people are, I often, I have some guys reach out to me and be like, Hey, like none of these made me mad until today. Like this one got me mad. Like I've, and they've been sort of like testing themselves against the series. And then finally they found one that made them mad. And then, and then some men reach out to me and they're like, I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, well, do you, uh, uh, do you, talk to men a lot like about it like do you keep ongoing conversations with like men on tiktok about uh them confronting their egos yeah sometimes um you know i i have i don't oftentimes like respond or or read dms because because it can get pretty crazy in there um but yeah i i have found it to be the, the 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 men who are willing to engage with me i think um I think it's a worthy conversation to be had because I don't think men really like talk to each other very much about stuff like this. No, not at all. I don't think so either. Why do I act? I'm acting like I'm a man in these conversations. I'm like, no, we don't. No, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> um, I, I could see that. Yeah. I, I, um, well, it's, it's interesting too, because like, um, I don't have a ton of, uh, male friends, but the ones I do have are all, you know, ones who I think have been willing to do the work and un- unpack the, you know, the, the complicated stuff that being a man gives you. Yeah. And, um, that's another thing too, because I, I wanted to address to you cause, um, I have a lot of respect for you now. And I think that you're a great person and, uh, I don't say that lightly. I also have like an insane standard of what a good person means. Um, so you're killing it. Thank you. I but, appreciate it. <laughs> um, I will say that I, I discredit men constantly um, because I make such general accusations because it is the majority of men that are what I'm talking about. So the men who agree with me or the men who aren't bad guys are agreeing with me. Sure. You know, I'll be like white men suck and the white men who don't suck agree with me that white men suck. Yeah. And and what I, I, what I think it is is um, 
you need to be able to like step outside of yourself in the sense where it's like, if people are like, okay, like white men suck. If, if I hear that as a white man, my thought isn't, well, I'm a white man and I don't suck. My thought is historically, like societally, statistically, like, yeah, like, of course, like, mm. of, like, of course, everybody has like, has the, the right and the, maybe the need to be completely and absolutely weary. Um, and you know, I, I, mm, I think, yeah. you know, uh, our, our, our politics over the last decade have really also, you know, pushed that into focus. And, and I think it's, it's, a lot of people use, I think, niceness as an excuse to uh, hide much more malicious uh, behavior in the sense where it's like, uh, you know, like most of our like Congress people and like senators are white men and they're pushing through legislation, le legislation that is actively, you know, detrimental to LGBT people or to women or to oh people of color. Yes. And then when you're like, well, we hate white men now because you're doing this, they're like, be nice. They're and, like, uh, they, people, white people have been like, they comment on my stuff. Like you want people to, uh, feel bad for you. You want people to like accept you, blah, blah, blah. But look at you judging white men and all this stuff. I'm like, Oh my God. Like for real, of course I'm judging white men. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they've been doing. Like straight white men in particular want everyone's memory to get really short really quickly. Oh, and they do it to me very easily because yeah. I, um, I already, I forget what I'm like upset about because, um, my emotions are so heightened and I'm so sensitive. So I'm so focused on whatever is currently going on that by the time I get upset and I have confronted said white man about something, by the end of the conversation, I have no idea what I went in there with. And I have no idea how, like, I came out of it and I'm feeling a little guilty. Yeah, I'm it's, like, what the fuck just happened? It's tough. I mean, these conversations are complicated because, of course, we feel emotionally about them because they're such high stakes for us. Um, and people can always use those emotions against us, you know, in the sense where it's like, if you're having an argument concerning your rights, um, and, 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 um, I use like the general you there. Like if, if you're, if you're like a LGBT person and you're having an argument with someone and, and it's about your, your ability to exist and be who you are in America, of course you're going to be emotional. And then, but the other person can use that emotionality against you because it's an argument and arguments are supposed to be completely and absolutely cold and logical and it's yeah. it's it's a dark tactic that they have been oh using gosh. forever it, yes and i was actually saying this the other day that um i i came to a realization recently that um everybody is uh like lying and manipulating um i thought that people weren't doing that because i wasn't doing that and i right. thought if someone were to be lying and manipulating that's like a bad bad person yeah and it's like oh no that's everyone around me in yeah. the world um and so I was thinking about it and I was like, the people at the top are the best manipulators because if they weren't, they would have been out manipulated. And yeah, that's how they get there. No, uh, no matter what, like that's facts. You have to be the best manipulator because if you were not manipulating people, you would be manipulated because it's really easy to manipulate people. Yeah. It really is. No, yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, I, I I think there's there's such a big... I think people overvalue like politeness and niceness, like the idea that like uh, whenever people are like people are supposed to advocate for themselves, but they're also supposed to be polite about it. 
Like, I think that's the complicated dichotomy that people expect. And it's, it's almost impossible to make change while being polite. So I heard a little bit about your new show, Rabbit, and about it being complicated. It's on YouTube. Can you um, tell me what that is? Tell me all about it. Totally. Um, yeah. So uh, Rabbit is a five episode uh, miniseries that I, that I made um, a couple months after coming out here. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's, it's about a, uh, a task rabbit who only takes tasks that are uh, embarrassing or illegal. Oh, I love this. So so every day he has a new like weird task. So the first episode is um this uh this this woman hires him to break her nose because she wants a reconstructive nose job because she can't afford an elective one. And so he has to go over and they have this argument about whether or not he should break her nose because he gets there and she has like great looking nose. And, um, you know, in the second one, he's he's going to go break off an engagement. And and so every episode is, is a new thing that he's doing. I love that idea. That's a really good concept. It's it's wow. It's really fun to, you know, make and it's really fun to write because every week you get to do something completely new and different. Oh, that'd be so fun. So you said it's a five episode? Five episodes, yeah. Um, and hopefully more at some point. Yeah, I was like, no pressure, but yeah. I need more than five. Yeah, awesome. that's what everyone's saying. Sense. Everyone's like, these are too short and there needs to be more of them. And we're like, great, well, um, <laughs> We'll find the money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, let's, uh, I'll, I'll help you with them. Like we can work on them together and then we can uh, just reach out to people for some trade work. Mm, yeah. Want to do some trade work? <laughs> Clementine yes. is dying over here. She's so proud of her son her, being in this series. Yes. So tell me, Francisco, what's up with Francisco in the series? So yes, we have a, a scene in which Rabbit is, it's clear that he has been paid to like, kill a dog and it's clear that he has not done it because he calls his boss and he's like hey it's done and he's like how'd you do it and rabbit's like i hit it with a hammer oh my uh, god but he's like looking at the alive dog and francisco, um, francisco yes Aww. uh when for, uh, this was the very first day of shooting we were out in the desert and um our our production designer taylor uh, comes over. She's like, "Hey, like this is this is uh, the dog." And I look over. It's Francisco. He's he's so beautiful. Such I was a like, sweet man. And I I say to Taylor, I was like, I was like, "Oh, awesome!" And there were there was a lot going on in the production that I wasn't like completely aware of. Everybody was doing their own you know stuff, their own job. And I was like, um, I was like, "Is this like a like a dog actor? Is this like an actor dog?" And she was like, "Yeah." And but she was fucking with me. But she was like, "Yeah, it's, uh, it's five hundred dollars an hour." Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and and she like walked away. She did not clarify that she was kidding. And I go over to the director and I was like, dude, we gotta like, we gotta roll because we cannot afford <laughs> we this <are> dog. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was, we're all the dogs tied right now. Like, come yeah. on, guys. We gotta and hurry. so so they like put Francisco down and they like put the camera on him and then like a like a like a gust of wind comes through and Francisco like shivers a little bit. And I was like, I would have paid more. <laughs> I was like, that's an actor right there. He is. He's so good. He's a uh, good boy. And um, and then like later on, I was like, so what so what? I was like, that's like an hour of dog work, right? That's like that's like five hundred dollars. She was like, No, I was kidding. And I was like, that was a free dog. She was like, Yeah. And I was like, Wow. Wow, he should be paid. Yeah. Social un injustice right there. I know, yeah, that's true. You you got you gotta get him in a for union. Francisco. I I'm excited to maybe brainstorm with you at some point about some ideas, not to make, you know, impose, but like, you know, just do whatever our brains want, like creative shit. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm really fascinated and proud of you. 
Clementine's really fascinated and proud of her dog because like I would call her, I would call Clementine a boy mom. Mm-hmm. She's a boy mom, but I don't think she's a toxic boy mom. No. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say boy mom? Totally. I, yeah. What I, do you think about them? Uh, about boy moms? Well, I have a boy mom, I guess. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, boy some- mom, as defined on the internet in the toxic way that Demi's referring to, is a mom who is somewhat emotionally incestuous with her son. Oh, yeah. She, boy no, mo- so no, I don't have a boy mom. <laughs> Toxic boy mom would say to... So, so yeah, so I guess like that's like the, the, the mother-in-law who like will never ever think you're good enough for her son. What I say is that basically they take out this love, this lack of love from their husband and they invest it into their sons. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just kind of weird. It, it, it's like... It's creepy. It can be. It can be creepy, but it's just toxic in general yeah. uh, because it they do so much for the son and enable them so much to where totally. now the son goes out into the world and doesn't know how to do anything for themselves and expects it from every woman yeah. and mistreats women who don't do that and makes them feel like they're lesser than because that their mother did that all for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think <laughs> it's like a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, you know, you get used to the behavior that you're shown early on. You know, like people who like never clean up after themselves when they're kids because like everyone else does it, like then they then they get older and then they just don't clean up after themselves, you know, because it's not a thing that they have like instilled in them. So I imagine behavior of like, I'm perfect, I'm the best, I get unconditional love. Where do you place the blame or do you? Um, it's, it, I will say it's, it's so, so, so hard with parenting in general because I think like, Ultimately, all, not going to say that's not right. Uh, A lot of parenting comes from a place of like genuine, like love and altruism. Like people just want their kids to be okay. But I think like, you know, people are imperfect and there's so many complexes that can get involved with that. And I think, you know, like, you know, lack of love from the husband is, is definitely a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I, uh, I think if if you this is a PSA, if you feel like you might have been like raised by a boy mom, I think then the question is to like step back and maybe ask yourself like, what do people actually owe me? Like what am I actually entitled to? Because I think if you grow up in a in a in a household of of entitlement, then you're like, that's what I deserve. And um, it, it's a tough thing to ask yourself, but like, what do people in my life actually owe me? You know, like, uh, does everything have to be done for me? Um, and, and if you can ask that question, I think it, it leads to further questions. Like, what should I be doing for myself? Do you think that there is any connection between men with glass egos and boy moms? Because um, I think that there could be because the glass ego that the that the man has, I think is a result of some of the treatment from the father and the father probably having a glass ego. Totally. Because I've been around a lot of glass egos Mm -hmm. and I have had a glass ego myself at times, but um, not a glass ego. I would just say I've had an ego because like you, I know like, why the fuck am I trying to prove I can fight a goose? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a big one. I Yeah, I, I think it's definitely related because you, you mirror the, the like, the dynamics that you grow up with. 
Um, so I think if if your father has a glass ego and he will lash out at you for at all, you know, critiquing any element of, of who he is or what he's tied his identity to, then you as a person are like, that's acceptable. And and that's how I'm going to be. Because, that's acceptable. Because, you know, your, your brain's forming and you're like, that's what men do. Like, and, and that's what it all comes down to. I think on a certain level, it's like, um, what do men do? And I think, you know, when you're, you're, when you're a kid and you see your father acting, you know, particularly, you know, toxic or fragile, you're like, that's what it is. And that's dangerous. Um, you know, and, and unlearning that is, is very difficult. It's, it's, it's a complicated and very long journey. It's a journey that a lot of people don't want to take, but I, 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 I would assure people that it's, it's, it's absolutely worth it. That is really encouraging for me to hear. And um, I would say to anyone listening who is like me, um, something that I wish I was better at is being more understanding of it being a journey and not being like, hey, drop that fucking ego today. Yeah. Like I expect people to be able to do that. And that's very unfair of me to ask. So uh, give people the grace of unlearning something, which is uh it's it's a complicated process. It's actually something you have to do to your brain. Totally. And and I think like in, in my experience with trying to help some people unpack that kind of stuff, I've always found like questions are infinitely more powerful than statements. Wow. That is something to end on right there. It is. there. Questions are more powerful than statements. Wow. I love that. Listeners, we're going to play a very, very important, very educational game here in a little bit. So keep on listening. You probably don't have anything better to do. Okay, so now it's time for a very serious quiz. Very serious. My producer, Clementine, is going to hold up some photos, random sex toys, and Kyle and I are going to guess what they are. I feel like I'll probably be good at this game. Kyle, what do you think you're going to be like? We'll see. I, I have a friend who who uh, owns a sex toy company, so she'll be very disappointed in me if I do very poorly. So mm. very high stakes for me. Wow. We'll see. Disclaimer. We're going to see. Okay, sex toy number one. I know exactly what that is. I did so. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's like the wand. It's the, like the, the classic. The wand. The wand. The classic. I don't know. I've never used one of those, but I, I'd probably like it, but I feel like, well, oh, never mind. You don't have a clitoris. <laughs> sex toy number two. Um, That's just like a basic in vibrating thing. I don't know the name of it, but you would just put it inside of you, but I would use it probably. You could use it on the outside as a vibrator or the inside as a vibrator. Uh, I know what that is. That's a little clit sucker, so it sucks your clit. I don't know if it has a name. It might be the womanizer. No, the womanizer goes inside too. That was going to be my guess as well. <laughs> uh, the, So the clit suckers, yeah, those are, I like, I've used like all the sex toys. I've tried them all just to try to like emulate someone actually eating me out. Uh -huh. I just, you know, wanted to find it so bad and there's nothing. But uh, the clit suckers are nice, but you have to start with that because it's so gentle. Mm -hmm. If you, you can't start with a vibrator and then go to the clit sucker. Because it's just like, wow, you don't even feel it because your fucking clit is numb from the vibrator. So start off with the clit sucker. It's a nice different It's, it's kind an of appetizer. Orgasm. And apparently someone invented a man version of the clit sucker where it sucks your dick. And it's called the man milker or something like that. Why did they uh, have to call it a man milker? <laughs> it's it's at a at a uh, like a white elephant gift exchange uh, that I uh, that I was at. Someone I know was given one of these. 
and or like or like wanted in the white elephant. And apparently in order to use that particular device, you need like a serious amount of lube or otherwise it'll like it'll like rip your dick off. And uh, this dude did not know that. And um, are you this dude? I'm not. This guy. <laughs> I'm like, I have a friend who's recovering from horrible injuries from the man milker. Uh, I am. I am not the victim of the man milker. OK, here's the last of the easier to guess ones. The, the, butt plug. The, a butt plug. Nice. Butt plug. That was like, so cute. I yeah, wish yeah, I was there into was, that. Yeah, it's, like, mm, it's nice. Um, that's a jump. Uh, that's a jump rope. Oh, my God. Wait. Oh, wow. OK, so I'm going to say that this. Not a jump rope. This is a thank you. This is a double sided elongated dildo. Exactly. Oh. All right. I would love to have this whenever it's, I date women. It's like an wow. extension cord. This one is for our foodies out there. What do you do with that cord oh, on the cob? I have a guess. Is it? Do you like put it on your fingers for like fingering? You finger. You put that on your fingers to finger with. It's a corn finger puppet for fingering. Oh, a finger finger puppet. My God, wait. I've never heard it. Wait, that this feels, is like... This that's, is, uh, that's what everybody in Kansas know? is doing. <laughs> wait, how'd you know what this was? I, I I looked at it and I was like, well, that would fit on a finger. And I was like... No, because here's the thing. You, you've you heard of this before. I have not. I saw this and I thought that these could have been corn dildos. I would have never thought corn finger puppets. Yeah. You knew. I Well, there's two of them. That's the thing, too. I, I thought maybe his and hers. Could, could be his but and hers. Finger puppets? I would never think to finger someone with this corn. With, on with the corn. Yeah, it feels it feels aggre- like I wanna you know what I wanna do? Hmm. Gnaw on this. I, I wanna gnaw on that. I feel like corn is an aggressively non sexual vegetable. Can we say that? But it's phallic. Ah, uh, you're right. Okay. Ball. <laughs> please, please, please. This, this is what I love. This game. I'm, I'm about to order so many new sex toys. I, I feel like maybe you can hug this one. <laughs> he looks like he has I'm big arms. I'm thinking that it's a something you can hump. Oh, like you, you, can, you a girl could grind the, on that. You grab the guy, like the arms, maybe. Maybe you hold on to the arms and you grind on that. It's it all is a vibrator. It just vibrates, and so you can. Have two people each getting off on the little arms, or you can have the main part. But the fun part is, is that it is modeled after a clitoris, so that actually looks like what the clitoris looks like inside the body. Is that shape? So Whoa. how how big is it? Yeah, I think it's like I want this because I want to just hump it. I think it's, the whole thing vibrates. I think it's like the size of a oh, I don't know melon. <laughs> I don't know. I love that idea. Wow. Not the fidget spinner. That is a butt plug fidget spinner. Not a butt plug fidget spinner. I, it's like, if, 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 you, if you're a dom with ADD. <laughs> no, I would, I would love to fidget spin. This would be so funny. It's a funny idea. It would just be for the pure aspect of how hilarious it would be. I feel like I would be offended if someone used the fidget spinner while we were having sex. But I'd what like, if it feels I, nice? Am I? Oh. oh wait, now, now I can picture that feeling nice. It's like a hum, zoom, like a slight vibration. Interesting. Wow. Oh, I don't know about you guys, but I am really horny. Uh, it's perfect for the attention. In a non-sexual deficit. way, though, just kind of like intellectually horny. Yeah, looking at all these sex toys, I'm just thinking about going home and masturbating. Not to the thought of you guys. In the record. 
okay. <laughs> to the thought of your purchases. Yeah. I I I think for me the the like least usable seems like the the fidget spinner butt plug. I I I think it's a novelty. I'm telling you, I don't think the hum of the spin should be underestimated. Okay, that's true. Listeners, if you find if you come across, stumble upon any strange sex toys on the internet that aren't, you know, gory or just really upsetting, please send them to demigoddesspod at gmail.com and they could be included in the next Guess the Sex Toy Let's Get Quizzical game. Your emails must look insane. Well, they're about to. Thank, that was a great plug, Clementine. God, Thank that you. was perfect. That was the best plug we've seen today. That was that was the climax right there. That was the <laughs> orgasm I needed. I'm so sorry. I don't know if I could get sued for this. Sued? <laughs> Sexual harassment? I don't know. <laughs> where, do, where do they draw the line? I mean, we are at the workplace. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Clementine's so, like, I, I didn't mean any of or that. Or Margot, our lovely engineer. Margot, disregard. Please disregard. <laughs> that was a really fun game. I'm really excited. Thanks for the plug, Clementine. I'm excited to see what y'all say. Also, send some emails about just what sex stories are really, really good. And maybe I'll talk about them if I think that they're worth talking about. All right, Kyle, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for sharing a very refreshing perspective on men. All right. Thank you so much. What are your plugs so everyone can check you out? Um, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, YouTube, give it all. Uh, on all social media, I'm at Kyle Pru. Uh, watch Can you spell that? What? Can you spell that? Oh, K-Y-L-E-P-R-U-E. Um, and then watch Rabbit, uh, the Rabbit web series. It's on YouTube. Um, Francisco's in it. I'm in it. Uh, a lot of really talented, you know, the actor, performers, the directing by Max Mikowski's great. It's, Who's the guy that plays the guy that gives you orders? Oh, yes. Uh, Ken Davidian uh, from Borat is is my co-star. Um, he's, he's, he's had a great, wonderful little career, and uh, we're, we're so lucky to have him in our show. Um, who was that? He's one of the. He's in Borat. Okay, I um I have a Borat T-shirt. Oh really? Yeah. He's he's um so you know it's Borat and then Azamat, which like is the guy, his producer, yeah. who goes like it's it's that guy. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Um, I want to meet him and I want to wear the Borat shirt. Hell yeah! Because I don't even know why I have that shirt. It's not even mine, but I've had it. It's made it across many states with me for many years. Yeah, he he'd love that. I think <laughs> it would just be a fun little surprise for him. Yeah. Um. Okay. So rabbit on you on YouTube. At Kyle Prue on all platforms. Very good idea, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. Keeping it the same. Yeah, mine's chaos. It's a little bit more simple than Demi underscore not underscore Lovato. Uh, let me tell you right now, <laughs> listeners, please, please help me. Help me. SOS. I need my Instagram changed. I need it changed. I need at Demi underscore not underscore Lovato changed. Now, yesterday, changed to at Demi. Please help me. Do I'll it. pay for it. I don't have any money right now, though. But... I'll, I'll, we can, we can work something out. We'll pay you an exposure. Thanks for listening to this week's Demi Goddess. You better give us a five-star rating and review if you know what's good for you. Just kidding. But please, be sure to tell your friends. We can all be friends together as you listen. You can follow me at Demi underscore not underscore Lovato on Instagram. Please Instagram change it to at Demi. And at Demelia on TikTok. That's at D-E-M-L-I-A. Demigoddess is available on all podcast platforms, or you can watch this full episode on our Eve YouTube channel. Be sure to watch it. It's so cute. So rate, reviews, and subscribe. A lot of hard work goes into this. Thank you. Bye. Demigoddess is part of the Eve Podcast Network and a Forever Dog production. 
Executive Producer, Tracy Soren. Producer and Editor, Clementine Yost. Development Executive, Mariah Nicholas. Engineer, Margo Padilla. Theme song by Gabe Lopez. Cover photo by Stephanie Sayas. Cover Dog Productions is Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm.